Hello, it is me, Natalie. We are here today to talk about dysautonomy awareness because I just realized it's dysautonomy awareness month in October. So I am also recording a YouTube video for this topic just to continue spreading that awareness. Woo! So we're going to talk a little bit about how dysautonomy has impacted my life and just what's going on now with it. Dysautonomia was a very new phrase for me. I have never heard that. I had multiple neuroscience classes. I think I have had a background too with trauma-informed care and looking at how some physical outcomes of when you are super stressed out and when you are in that fight or flight mode, but dysautonomia has never crossed my path. And the first time I heard it, this was a couple months into my diagnosis of mixed connective tissue disease. I was still presenting with like chronic fatigue, but I still have GI symptoms. And then I started getting really interesting symptoms where I would just like not function. Like I would straight up, I couldn't stand up for long periods of time. Like I would get instances where I would like feel like I'm about to pass out. I would need to lay down. Like my body was like, hell no, we ain't doing this today. And I was bringing up these concerns with my rheumatologist and she mentioned dysautonomia. I was like, what is this? Dysautonomia? Yeah, my rheumatologist brought up dysautonomia. And dysautonomia is a disorder of the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system, think of that fight or flight mode. It is in charge of the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And if you don't know what those are, those are kind of helping regulate our bodies. Overall, we're looking at our heart rate, making sure our heart keeps on beating. It's at a good pace that actually meets our needs and that time and place. Same with our respiratory system. It's like how we breathe without consciously thinking of it. And then our ability to digest and just like rest and digest that system. And if your body isn't actively having a good autonomic nervous system, all that stuff is in disarray. It is everywhere. And again, like there are so many actions our body is not aware of that we're not consciously thinking of at all times. We realize just how much we have when we lose it. I remember the first time I experienced an episode. It was when I was working... I was at home. I all of a sudden was shaking. I like could not control it. I was sitting up and I was in a meeting and I was like, oh my God, did I eat? And so I remember I stood up and it was like my eyesight started getting blurry. The room was spinning and I like tried to run and get food and my roommate was making food at the time. And I was like, can I please just grab something and ran like in through something the air fire and ran out. I like started feeling better but it just rattled me to my core I was like my heart rate was a hundred miles per hour I stood up and had that got that vertigo and I was out of breath there were a couple other times after this instance where it happens when you're walking when you're driving and it's scary because like I've had panic attacks I've had anxiety attacks before when it's like it hits you and 
you know the trigger. You're able to recognize the trigger. Talk yourself out of it. Like something that I'll do is like the five senses, the five things you could see, the four things you could touch. I will literally tell myself my thoughts are not real. My These thoughts are not real. I know. I've been in therapy for some time. Like I know how to talk myself down from my anxiety, especially when I'm in like a fight or flight mode. Like I haven't, there's only been like two times where I've had like panic attacks that I knew were full-fledged panic attacks like in the past two years. And that's because I was locked out one of the times and it was nighttime and I was freaking out. Circling back, dysautonomia. I was like, where are these triggers coming from? Like I would start getting that vertigo. I would start sweating profusely. There are times where it's like I need to pee so bad that like my life depends on it where like five minutes ago I was all good. Like, and these aren't the most sexy of symptoms. Like, honestly, these things are, like, A, they're debilitating. They definitely make me want to stay at home and not do anything. B, they're embarrassing. And they're embarrassing for two reasons. One, I'm like, I am 26. Why do I have the bladder of an 80-year-old woman? Why am I constantly tired? I have these fatigues or, like, I have neck pain that my... 79 year old grandma relates to and then it's like I'm embarrassed because okay how do I mediate my symptoms in public I lay down at least like my boyfriend will come with me and he'll sit his butt down next to me and then it'll be the two of us like all right (laughs) but yeah I lay down or I have to constantly carry like little snacks and nuts with me um just because like I could pass out and I know like food is a really big trigger for me I know that now it's very prevalent in this day and age and not a lot of people talk about what really happens with them with dysautonomia like I've never heard of dysautonomia until this year and I really do think a lot of people experience it on a spectrum dysautonomia is kind of an umbrella term too I'm going to circle when I was trying to find some answers Again, my autoimmune disease has been in remission, but I still have symptoms, and we don't know why. I'm still trying to figure that out and why I do have chronic fatigue, why I am still in pain, all these reasons. I got tested for hypoglycemia because I'm starting to realize, like, food is a big trigger for me. Like, whether that be if I'm starving, I can't function. And then I also am having to like relax and actually lay down after I eat like I used to get up and like go for a little walk because supposedly that helps with digestion but one time I experienced one of the worst (laughs) instances where it literally felt like I was struggling to breathe like I felt that my body wasn't getting oxygen it feels like you are treading water and like using all of your energy to just take a step it's terrifying and like it's something that like You have to relearn how to trust your body when that happens. That happened one of the scariest times. It was right after I ate. And um, what I'm thinking is because my body needed that energy to digest the big-ass meal I just ate. It was a salad and salmon. And, like, honestly, like, we tested for hypoglycemia. And that was negative. I tested for POTS. And I know I have a couple podcast episodes. I have a couple blog posts where I talk about how I literally thought I had POTS and my tilt table test was negative and like that doesn't mean I don't necessarily have it 
Like I did have a little instance, but it was negative in that moment. It just wasn't a big enough spike to be considered positive. And like POTS is just one type of uh, dysautonomia, dysautonomic diagnosis. It's an umbrella term, dysautonomia. And so POTS falls under it, but there are a couple others too that I feel like I can fit, but it's just, it's different. <laughs> I also tested for like MS, myasthenia gravis, celiac disease, a ton of other autoimmune diseases, and like nothing's coming up. And so it's difficult to test for uh, dysautonomia because you really have to look at the patient. I also asked, I was like, hi, do I have fibromyalgia? Because I'm still in pain. And my rheumatologist was like, no, because this is affecting all of your systems, not just your joints, sweetie. I'm like, great. Granted, I do think fibromyalgia does affect more, but so don't quote me on that. But she was like, you have more like obstruction. You have more issues than just your joints and fatigue. Like I can't digest. I like have to be picky about what I eat. I, my bladder's nuts. I have neck issues that cause migraines, like neurological symptoms, tingling in my fingers. Yeah. So it hasn't been a fun little ride. And you know, I think I talked about how I don't really want to talk about my symptoms, don't want to focus on what these diagnoses have taken away from me, just because where you are mentally, like with it, depicts where you're going to be. And like, I don't want you to sit and focus on your symptoms and just the fact that you have a diagnosis because you are more than a diagnosis. And I think I feel comfortable saying this because I know that this is just a piece of my puzzle. It's not the end all be all. And I think like it has helped me connect with other people. It's helped me share my story with people who might need to hear it. I think like even though I still have these issues, like I'm aware and I'm using it to my advantage. So I love to practice gratitude. It's my favorite thing. I, like, hate that it sounds kind of hippy-dippy. It shouldn't sound hippy-dippy because we should be grateful that we are living the lives that we have been gifted. And, like, even though I don't have the best of cards, I also don't think, like, I don't believe in the grass is greener on the other side. Like, everyone has their issues. You never know what's going on with anyone. And so that's why I try to just focus on myself. Like, I am thankful that I could still move my body. I might not be able to run like I used to. I might not be able to, like, sit up for long periods of time or, like, wait in lines or enjoy going to bars because I'm so overstimulated. I, like, thank my body for letting me be able to do what I am able to do. And I think that's really helped heal my relationship with my body. Giving myself grace has allowed my body to take the rest it needs. And I think that's really helped me heal. And so why can't I push my body harder? Because the more I push my body, the worse my symptoms are going to be. I also think my body was in fight or flight. I'm going to make a whole episode on fight or flight because we, the hustle culture in this society is nuts. 
I am so anti-hustle culture. I am so let's practice the soft life because we are probably all walking around with some type of dysautonomic behavior because of being in fight or flight. Like think about how you feel when you hear a ping from your email and your body just jolts. That's a signal from your brain that's sending like you're in danger. Like, and isn't that nuts just from a ping that's not going to hurt you? That's why, too, I try to bring myself back to earth whenever I'm like, okay, like, this is a survival mechanism that my body built for me, fight or flight, but, like, it has not caught up to this day and age. Seeing someone open your story but didn't respond or friends are hanging out with you, like, that's going to send fight or flight moments, but, like, your body thinks it's life or death, so that's why you get things anxious feelings. It's a survival mechanism. But the thing is, it's not life or death. And so learning to talk yourself down from that, like, it's not the end of the world. And I'm here now. And using breathing practices, meditating. There's so many things you could do in place of focusing on the bad things and then focusing what your body can do in this moment. I think going back to fight or flight, I've kind of been going around in circles in this area. But, like being in fight or flight for so long will put wear and tear on your autonomic nervous system because it can't function properly when it's exhausting all of its resources to keep you at this high. And so that's why it's important to take a step back and just be grateful for what you have. Learning to relax and trust your body can put you through what it needs to be. And that's why, again, like, I feel comfortable, like, talking about my new perspective. It's really shifted upon this diagnosis, and I think it's helped me in other areas of my life. I feel like I'm really picky about the time I spend with people. I want to make sure that I'm practicing my values and, like, living a fulfilled life, that it isn't just fun and games. I'm not just, like, exhausting my energy to exhaust. I would rather make sure I live my life utilizing my resources in an efficient way. I know that's a very weird way to phrase having fun (laughs) and taking breaks when I need it. The thing is, when you learn to take a step back, you see that you don't want to engage in those like energy-wasting activities. Like, I don't want to be out until 2 a.m. where I can't hear people and I'm just not having fun anymore. Like, alcohol doesn't serve me and There are other instances, too, where I'm like, I'm going to sit this one out, guys, because I'd rather do something else or take it easy today because I know my body needs it. Like I know I've talked a lot about, like, value alignment and utilizing that when you are kind of painting where you want to go with your life. But I think that's a great way to deal with my diagnosis, at least, with dysautonomia. Um, I kind of went on a tangent just how I've dealt with it. And what I, how I deal with it, you don't have to, but I know it, it was really tricky when I first got to this point, like your body is not agreeing with you and you're like, really, this is self-sabotage to its core. And I'm really excited to talk about dysautonomia because I think this is a topic that doesn't have a lot of light. And I think a lot of people, again, like have symptoms of it that they don't even realize it. I do, I would love to connect with you if you have had any kind of like dysautonomia symptoms, if you know of someone and want to be of support, feel free to share this with someone that you think has an autoimmune disease or has any symptoms of dysautonomia. You're not alone. 
I think there are approximately 70 million people with dysautonomia. And if I am correct, it covers about 15 different diagnoses like PATS. There are other types too. I'm learning that you don't need to necessarily have a diagnosis of these to have symptoms. Like I have all these symptoms and, you know, it's just letting go of the reins and being like, I just trust my body will take me through today. I trust my body is going to be able to make me happy. I treat my body with love and respect. Like knowing that you're doing everything you can to maintain a positive relationship with your body. Like this episode's just going to tear my heartstrings just because it is something I hold near and dear. It is something that's rattled me to my core. It is something that I've cared about. And so I can't emphasize it enough. If you want to reach out, feel free to. I would love to hear from you. It's a shorter episode, but I hope you appreciate it. And I'll see you next week on Save Your Spoon.